Hi there, this is Taylor checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Peliconis and intentional ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. Hi everyone, we've got a handful of headlines for today's Peliconis News. I have categorized them into drawdown, all things Biden, and endangered species. These stories are truly incredible and also reminders to me that conservation actually works. Alright, first category, drawdown. The first headline is out of DetroitNews.com. General Motors seeks to end making gas and diesel powered vehicles by 2035. General Motors pledges to eliminate tailpipe emissions from new light-duty vehicles by 2035 and to make its global products and operations carbon neutral by 2040. Where it is not possible to remove emissions in its products and operations in the next 20 years, the automaker said it will compensate by using carbon credits or a permit that allows GM to emit a certain amount of emissions. The news puts a very public deadline on GM's goal of reaching a zero emissions future. The move carries profound implications for GM's rivals in the global auto industry, for union auto workers, and for the states where the automaker produces internal combustion engines and the many parts that drive them. The second one here is uh, uh, from CNBC.com. Elon Musk pledges $100 million for carbon capture technology. Now, the crazy thing about this is that there's not much of a news story here. This was just a tweet that um, he announced. Um, so most of the stuff I could find on it was just people's opinions. But this is pretty interesting regardless. Elon Musk has announced that he is donating, donating $100 million towards a prize for the best technology that can capture carbon dioxide. Musk, who overtook Amazon founder Jeff Bezos to become the world's richest person, made the announcement on Twitter saying he would share more details soon. Carbon capture is the process of trapping waste carbon dioxide either directly from the air or just before it gets emitted from factories and power plants. Um, because this is just, you know, a Twitter announcement, there have been all kinds of weird responses. Um, but my favorite responses have been to this, uh, have been along the lines of, you know, tons of money coming to the next person who invents forests. Regardless of that, really fascinating stuff and hopefully puts, um, puts some really great focus on, on this technology. Um, also very weird is the next category, all things Biden. Um, in less than a couple weeks as president, Joe Biden has signed several environmental executive orders or made significant pledges. These come from a bunch of different sources, so I think the more interesting story here is the amount of impressive decisions made in such a short time. So I'm just going to list off the main ones as opposed to explaining them or telling you where they came from, but you can search them up on your own. Uh, first, 
The United States rejoins the Paris Agreement. So huge. Uh, Biden has canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. He says he will replace the entire federal fleet with electric vehicles. He has halted new oil drilling on federal lands. Uh, oh man, this next one is gigantic. He has blocked drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Wow. And uh, my personal favorite, uh, being a PhD student in protected and conservation areas, he commits to ambitious 30% of U.S. land protected by 2030. So apparently there's going to be a lot more um, environmental decisions made in the next couple weeks. But this is a huge, huge start. All right, last category here, endangered species. Uh, first one coming out of newsleader.com. I think this is a local site. Missouri officials remove peregrine falcon from the state's endangered species list. Peregrine falcons may soon be taken off Missouri's endangered species list following years of conservation efforts. The population of peregrine falcons sharply declined between the 1940s and 1960s due to the use of pesticides like DDT in their food chain. In 1970, the bird was put on the federal endangered species list and Missouri added it to the state endangered list four years later. In 1999, they were removed from the federal list due to intensive restoration efforts. In an open meeting early in January, the Missouri Conservation Commission gave initial approval to remove the peregrine falcon from the state's endangered species list. However, it will remain a species of conservation concern. So excited to see that. These last two headlines are, are my favorite. Um, this next one is, I, I volunteered at the San Diego Zoo for a while, so this, this story means a lot to me. Uh, San Diego Zoo's gorilla troop is eating, drinking, interacting, and on their way to a full recovery from COVID. CBS8.com is reporting. Several gorillas at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park are recovering from the virus which causes COVID-19. Three of the Safari Park's gorillas tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 on January 11th. That was terrible news when it came out, and I know I was uh, deeply distraught by that. But the zoo's veterinarians have reported that the entire eight-member troop is eating, drinking, interacting, and on the way to a full recovery thanks to the work of wildlife care professionals and collaborations with an array of colleagues and partners who ensured care for the affected primates. The conservation organization joined forces with more than a dozen local, state, and national leaders in the medical, scientific, zoological, and public health communities to treat the apes. In addition to providing the best care possible for the gorilla troop, this ongoing teamwork could contribute to a deeper understanding of the impacts of this virus on animals and people worldwide, a zoo statement says. And if you want to learn more about how viruses can affect gorillas, make sure to check out the Conservation Conversations episode where we interview Dr. Gladys and her work on um, Ugandan gorillas and um, their susceptibility to virus transmission. Last headline here, also another favorite, being so close to it and working with a lot of um, uh, folks that were involved in this. 
TheDailyPress.com is reporting that North Carolina judge orders plan to release more captive-bred endangered red wolves into the wild. A judge has ordered the federal government to come up with a plan to release more endangered red wolves from breeding programs to bolster the dwindling wild population. The preliminary ruling comes in a lawsuit filed late last year by red wolf conservation groups in a federal court in North Carolina, the only place in the world where the wolf roams wild outside of zoos or wildlife refuges. Noting that as few as seven wild red wolves remain, the the judge said in his ruling that plaintiffs have demonstrated that extinction is a very real possibility in this case. The wolf conservation groups that took the federal agency to court have praised the judge's decision. We are grateful that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will finally abide by its responsibility to protect this critically endangered wolf, Ben Prater, Southeast Program Director at Defenders of Wildlife, said in a statement. Releasing wolves into the wild is a common-sense, science-backed approach to boost this population and stave off the red wolf's extinction. While the species has a long way to go, this is a major step in the right direction. Red wolves once occupied much of the eastern U.S., but were driven to near extinction by trapping, hunting, and habitat loss before they were reintroduced to North Carolina in 1987. Their range is limited to five North Carolina counties. Scientists at zoos and other sites have maintained a captive population of about 200 wolves in recent years. All right, I hope these stories bring some optimism and lightness to the beginning of your month, and uh, I look forward to sharing more in the future.